everyone, and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today we are privileged to be joined by Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Reinman, a noted Mechaber Svarim, as well as the prolific author of many best-selling books, including those Rabbi Reinman, written under the name Avner Gold. Avner Gold. I don't know if this is the per- first public exposure of Rabbi Reinman as Avner Gold, which we'll get into but first, let's start off with your upbringing, the influences in your younger years, and then we'll get into your writing career. Well, I grew up in, uh, on the east side of New York, <clears throat> and then, um, then I went to, we moved to um, Crown Heights. I went to Hassan Seifer in the east side, and um, afterwards I moved to Chaim Berlin. I was 14 years old when I moved to Chaim Berlin, and I had the, the great schos of learning by Rav Yaakov Moshe Shorkin in the last year of his life. He was what in, grade was that, Rabbi This Shurkin? was, I was in the 10th grade, but it, it wasn't always parallel. That was, that was the third year of Beis Medrash, but in English I was in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't the only one. There are a number of people. So in my, the morning you learned in a higher grade yeah, than in yeah, the afternoon. Yeah, it was not unusual. Mm-hmm. And so Rabbi Yaakov Moshe Shurkin was one of your Rabbi Mechaim Berlin? He was uh, my first Rabbi Mechaim Berlin. first Rabbi. And third, third year of his medrash. And um, it changed my life. It was, it was a revelation. Rabbi Yaakov uh, Moshe Shurkin introduced me to the world of Lambdas, which, you know, I was, not a, I was a pretty good bacher, but Lambdas was just dazzling. Mm-hmm. And, and his, his sheer... He just learned Gemara, Rashi, and Taisus. No Rishonim, no Achronim. And I thought that was fantastic because when you learn many Mepharshim, the Mepharshim become another thing that you have to learn. Like you learn Gemara, you learn Rashi, you learn Taisus, you learn Pnei Yeshua, you learn this, you learn that. You have just more, more information. But really, that's not what it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be there to help you understand the Gemara. So what he did was that I'm sure many of the things that he taught us were taken from Svarim, and, but he didn't, it didn't attribute any names to them. So it was just the ideas, the concepts, and it was, it was incredible. And the Shir was also very interactive. Like he used to say, he says, Kakasha, and you know, expect people to say a Teretz, and uh, tell me Hakira, and you know, I, I remember one time he asked, he asked the question, and, and, and uh, I gave him an answer. So he turned to me, and he points at me, and he says, London. It changed my life just by doing uh. that. My view of myself as a person like, who has to work on, on understanding and, uh, and really getting to the Tifka, to the Gemara. It just changed it. It wasn't just, at the, at the, okay, now I get a, we used to get Bechenas from Ravelia Rabnik. And, uh, you know, my shir always failed because we didn't know what the Ktsoyis and the Sivas say. Mm-hmm. One time I, I cheated. I went to the other Bachar, I took the Bechenas first. I asked him what he asked about. So uh-huh. I went and looked it up and I was able to uh-huh. pass the Bechenas. I even got it. An Archis Tadikim as a prize, but it didn't come from the Shir. Mm-hmm. The Shir, he never mentioned Rishonim, never mm-hmm. mentioned Achronim, never mentioned the Rambam. Just focus on understanding the concepts and the ideas of the Gemara. That was incredible. 
And so you would say Rav Shurkin shaped the Yudar yeah, Halimut. And, and afterwards, I learned uh, after he was Nifter, uh, maybe a few months after, almost a year, so he had son of Michal Shurkin. And Michal Shurkin organized the Chabura of Bachrim. And uh, we used to learn on Shabbosim. We met, met Friday before Shabbos and met before Mincha. And we used to learn straight through until Maitzah Shabbos. Then we used to go to his house and we used to take notes. And a whole week we wrote. Where did this Chabura meet? In, in a shtibel in East Flatbush called the Deja Shtibel. I don't know if it still exists, but it was just, uh, we learned in the back. It was not far from where he lived. And it was... Uh, now, I was in it, and Rabbi Yosef Eichenstein, and Rabbi Yankin Bussell. Both Yitz- Rosh Yeshiva of, of later Edison, Rosh Yeshiva of Edison. Edison. Yitzchok Saryshevsky, who's uh, very, very Chosh of London, and Rabbi Shloyme Kohn, Revival Kohn's brother, who's also a tremendous Balkishman. So he organized this small group, and that's what we did. And, and it took it to whatever I got by Rav Shurkin, so Rav Michal brought it to a different level. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where... That's where I come from. Now, later on, you learned by Rav Hutner, but you did have no, other Rabbeim Rabbi in between, right? It was at the same time. Same time? I was in Chaim Berlin for four years. Mm-hmm. First year was by Rav Shurkin, the second year was by Rav Cohen, and the last two years by Rav Hutner. Uh-huh. And, uh, but concurrent with that, I learned with Michal Shurkin, we learned Michal Shurkin, this Chabura. Yeah, Rav, Shurkin, Rav Hutner was Rav Hutner. You know, was, was, you know he... Uh, you know, he once called me in, and he told me I should write him a shtickle Torah. We were learning Chulin. This was, I was, uh, I was 17. So I was learning the Karl Goraya on President Street at that time. So, so I wrote him a shtickle Torah on Machloikas, the Shach, and the Ramah, and Simon Sadek Ches, about Membamina, Basashma, Basataima. I worked very hard on it for like three days. And, you know, it was a few pages that came in. And I gave him the shtickle, and he sat there, he looked it over, looked it over, and he said, yeah, Chagavol Zen dein Handschrift, which means he wanted to see my handwriting. <laughs> that, he was just being provocative. Uh-huh. He was, that's what he was. He was what, did always, he really, what did he really he, want? He wanted to see my style, if I could write, uh-huh. if I could capture what he says. I, not if I could capture a shtickle Torah, because he gave me the job of writing a shurim. So like the last year I was in Chaim Berlin, I wrote a shurim for him. And you gave those... Gave them to him. To him. Yeah. And he wanted them for, for his own private use. I don't know. Maybe they'll be published someday. I don't know. Uh-huh. But uh, I gave it to him. Yes. Do those, do, does anyone have those writings today? Or you don't I know? I don't know. This is many years ago. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know. What are we talking about? In the 70s? In, in the 60s. 60s. Yeah. I went to Of course, went. we're not giving away any ages here, but. Uh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm past retirement age, <laughs> but never retire. So, so, um, so then, but I was 18, I went to Lakewood, I moved, I w- moved to Lakewood. How did you choose to go to, to base Madrish Kavaya? I felt it was more for me, I felt it was better. Yankee Bussell, who was my very, very close friend, and we were together in the Chabura, and he had gone to Lakewood, and uh-huh. uh, he encouraged me to go, he said I would, and I, I, did, I think it was a very good move. I liked it very much. I joined a very good Chabura. We learned in the back on the right corner of the Bismedrish. There was um, no, Yerucham Olshin and Chaim Ginsberg, and Nissen Goodman and Shmuel Miller and Yaakov Bussell and Nancy Frankel and Yaakov Fensterheim and Rashi Pash. And 
and uh, the beginning of Yasser Savitsky was there. Wow. It, was, it was a very Hashav Eilam. I learned with this Eilam for, uh, for a number of years. Uh, we learned Kachim. I learned Kachim there mm -hmm. two years. And while we were learning Kachim, we learned Kachim in the front left corner of the Bismedrish. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Rabbi Schneier... The Roshiva. The Roshiva of Lakewood, yeah, Rabbi Schneier, with whom I had a very close relationship. He used to, you know, he, he, was, he was a genius. He used to, he, at the end of every Zman, he used to tell me, I had to write a Mishnikal Torah. I had to tell a Mishnikal Torah, I'm sorry. I had to tell a Mishnikal Torah. So I had, you know, I had the Mishnikal I had some Marachas, longer Mishnikal Torah. And I figured I'll go in and take me 40 minutes there. Yeah? So I come in and I tell him, this Rambam, you know, oh, yeah, okay, go to the, the Kasha, yeah. He, he, whatever I said, he caught it like so fast. And when I said the Vart, oh, oh yeah, oh, there good, there good. <laughs> it took like four minutes or three minutes. You know, I thought it would take 40. Uh -huh. But uh, no, but he, was, he was a wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, I loved him, you know. When he was, when I put out my Sefer on Shtaris, so to him, he Which was, I should mention, we have here yeah, hiding. Okay. Hiding behind the books there, we have Rabbi Reinman Sefer Shufer Deshtara. Right, so we also have here, I'll grab here without knocking anything down, Shufer Deshibuda. That's more recent. That's, that's more like, recent. Yeah. And also your Sefer on Chumash we have back here. Yes. And so, you'll be putting out a new Sefer soon on... On Ambreira. Ambreira, Shufer yes. It's almost done. Okay. I mean, it's typeset and everything. I just uh -huh. have, to, have to do the Agdama. So, um, oh, so... I, I went to, that's the whole story, I went, I got Vaskomer from, from Rav Shach on my Sefer. And how I ended up doing the Sefer was because Rav Schneier was complained that all the best Bachrim in the yeshiva were sucked out by the Chakotshem Chabura. And the yeshiva was not, uh, was a little bit dry. So, he, so one Zman we were learning, I think, Tamura. So he wanted that second seder we should learn with the yeshiva. So second seder we learned the yeshiva. The yeshiva was learning the second parak of Ksubis, the sugis of Shtaris. and I loved it. Mm -hmm. It was it was so complicated and so difficult and so challenging and so lumdish. I, I loved it. So afterwards, I I decided I'm going to work on Shtaris. I learned Gitten. I worked very much Shtaris. and later. Maybe 10 years later, I decided I'm going to write a Sefer on Shtaris. So I had about 100 pages of Torah on Shtaris. I figured, okay, I have this, I'll do a little more, and I'll have a Sefer. So I sat down to learn Shtaris, and I think the Rabbi Shalom, when he wants you to do something, he gives you some self-delusion. Mm -hmm. You think it's going to be easy, you know, a person uh -huh. gets involved, can make a business. Yeah, Otherwise you'd business. never bother. Otherwise you wouldn't do it, but once you're in it, if you have any kind of uh, backbone, you just persevere and you do it. So I started learning stories, and next thing I knew, I was like in over my head, you know, what's going on here? The hundred pages that I had, I used practically nothing. And I had the concept of how to do it. I got too much into this. But Baruch Hashem, the Sefer, it has like 400 smaller size prokem on all different aspects of stories. And then, and I think that's why the Sefer was Matzliach. And you, got, you have Askomus from, from Rav Schneier. I don't know, Schneier. Rav Shach, I saw Shach, Dayan Weiss. 
Dain Weiss, Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe. So, so Dain Weiss, by the way, I, I Rav Mokil Kotler was in Erzstrahl then. I didn't go to him. I didn't see him. Mm -hmm. I sent him the Sefer. He took it to Dain Weiss, and Dain Weiss sent me Askoma. Really? And so he told me, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and it's nothing, nothing here. So I called him Mokil, and he tells me, he sent it with this and this Bacher. So I went over to, found the Bacher, I went over to him, and I said, where's my Askoma? He said, I lost it. I said, you lost it, why don't you tell me? He didn't tell me. So I called him Mokil, he got another one. Uh -huh. And he told me the second one was better than the first. <laughs> okay. It was Anyway, I went to Rav Shach to get Askoma, and Rav Shneir gave me a letter to, to, to give to Rav Shach, and I came in to him, have a letter, so, so, so he takes the letter, he says, Shkayach, thank you very much. And he said, it's finished. So he said, the letter is about me. So, oh, so he opens it up and he reads the letter. And he said that, you know, what, you need by us? Come oh, man, you know, the regular thing. Yeah. And I said, listen, you know, I know the Shtoris is Rav Shach's, like he was an expert on it. It was uh -huh. very special to him also. So... So he said, look, you know, he made a gather on himself that he doesn't give us commas. But he, uh, he said, because of this letter from Schneier, it was very close, he said, I have no choice. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you the Askoma. Do you want to leave the safer with me or you want me to give you the Askoma now while I'm here? I was there for a few days. So I said, I'll leave it. So I got the, I got the Askoma, I don't remember how long, a couple of months later, I got the Askoma. As really, really very good Askoma. Mm -hmm. Rav Shach went through the Sefer? I don't know if he went through every single thing, but mm -hmm. he, wrote, he wrote that it should be a Sefer Shimushi, Befrat Yeshivas Agdoilais, and he said that he wanted to write Hagoyas on it, but that because of Riyasi Alakuya, because he couldn't, he had trouble seeing in those years, so he couldn't do it, but the, the, I think the Askoma is even more famous than the, than the Sefer. <laughs> but Baruch Hashem, so I was saying, Rav Schneier, when the Sefer came out, and he was sick then, he was like, you know, towards the end of his life. Right. So in his sickbed, he had that Sefer on his yeah. night table all wow. the time. It was very, it meant a lot then. So, um, And at that point in your life, when you're writing Shufr Deshtara, did you have any uh, aspirations as far as Habatas Atari outside of the Shiva, or at that point were you... You, you mean like saying Shurim? Yes, saying Shurim. What was your aspiration my personally? My aspiration was to write five shifras. Really? That was my aspiration. Uh -huh. I thought I could do it, knock them off every year and have two years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was my aspiration, to write for him. I didn't have the... Uh, I guess I could have been a Rashiva Magachir. Right. And uh, I didn't want to. I don't want to do that. I wanted to, I, felt, I felt it was too restrictive. Mm -hmm. That I would have to be limited to have to be busy a lot with Bachram, and of course it's very, very rewarding, but you can't do everything, right? So, right. And, and then you have to learn the same things, and right. you can't, and when I'm, when I'm learning my Svarim, like Breira, I just said Breira, right? So, I mean, Breira is wide-ranging. All learning, over Shas. All over Shas, and I can sit down and learn, learn Sugis and Zeroyim, and in Kochim, and in Yuma, and in, and above a Basra, and, and I just have the freedom, mm -hmm. the freedom to learn whatever I want and to really do it and without having to be, you know, to adapt myself to something else. So, so that's, I, didn't ha I didn't want to, 
That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. Now you, but I, need, I needed Parnassa. Right. I needed Parnassa. <laughs> That's a problem, you know. I mean, so, so um, I did a translation of the Nurse Amar. So I did parts of it. I used, in those days, in the 80s, um, yeshivas and meisters used to send out books. I don't know if it's so common today. Mailings. They mailings, 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 right? mailings to raise money. Sure. They send out books to raise money. So I did translation of Menorah Samar, and I took parts of it, made booklets out of them, and would give them to Mifal Tervadas, who was one of them. And Beskela and Lakewood wanted, uh, wanted um, stories. So I said, okay, I'll get you stories. I figured I'll find somebody to write some stories. And um, not so successful <laughs> finding, you know, whatever I got, uh, you know, I wasn't so successful. So then we came towards, you know, he has a mailing. He has a mailing waiting. So, uh, you know, and I don't have anything. So he, he, calls, so he tells me. Who's he? Who's that? Rabbi Shankalevsky. Rabbi Shankalevsky from Biscayla. Rabbi Shankalevsky. So he says, why don't you write something? So you know, I was a good writer. You know, I didn't aspire to writing books. So I was in ninth grade. I wrote a book. I wrote a, a, uh, a report on the automobile industry. And uh, in Chassan Seifer's still ninth grade. And the teacher, uh, he gave me an A, but he said it's definitely plagiarized. It was too good? Yeah, so he said <laughs> he had no choice because he couldn't find it. I never plagiarized a word in my life. Uh -huh. You know, but I, but you know, I, I was good in English. You know, I was, uh, I learned, uh, I learned, uh, no, I, I really, um, Strong interest in grammar. Mm -hmm. In all languages that I speak, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I learned the grammar. Mm -hmm. I learned the, the science of the language. And I read, read a lot. And I had you know, a natural born gift for writing. And I was very good. In the sixth grade was my most influential teacher. Really? Right? He was, he was uh, his name was Mr. Brown. He was a poet. He used to get up and put his chair on the desk in Chassan Seifer. And used to recite the Telltale Heart and Edgar Allan Poe, and it was like, <laughs> and then and he taught us different things about writing. And you enjoyed that? I loved it, and and he uh, he like gave us writing assignments, and he taught us something called fine writing, that if you use big words where you could use small words, he took off points. Really? Yeah, <laughs> and you know he was he was very. I learned a lot by him, and then I was just good at it, mm -hmm. so. I would never I would never, I'd never plagiarize a vart from anybody or anything. It's, I mean, I have too much self-respect. <laughs> but this is what I did. I did. I, I had an assignment. I did it. And he, okay, but he gave me an A because he had no proof. <laughs> it's too good. You know, I was innocent until proven guilty, mm -hmm. but I was innocent. So going back to the base, so, Kayla, so getting back, back mailing base many Kayla, years later. So he knew guy somehow. I don't remember why that I, I know how to write. So he it said, I should write something. So and it was late. Like, what can I do? So there was a story that I used to tell my kids sometime, like, you know. So I figured, okay, let me take that story, make something out of it. So I locked myself in a room, and I wrote The First Promised Child in five days. I just, stream of consciousness. I didn't outline it. I didn't do anything. I had no idea what century I was in. No idea. It was just a story. I mean, 
They didn't have cars. They went with wagons and horses. There were no cars, that I knew. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't know. They went from Pulitzhev, which was in South... Pulitzhev is Narol, where I come from. Right. I knew where that was. And they went from there to Krakow. So I didn't take out a map, but I have time. I didn't look for anything. Every place they went to, I made up the names of every place. I made up the names of towns and cities. I just, just, and, and just finished the story. So in five days, you wrote The Promised Child. Five Charles. days I wrote it. It was not a tremendously big book. It was like uh, 95 pages. Mm -hmm. But I wrote it. I figured, and then I needed a name, an uh, author's For the name. author. Yeah. I didn't want to put my name on it. First of all, I didn't think, I thought it was just a throwaway. I didn't think it was anything. And I didn't think that, I mean, people now know me a little bit better. They know I'm, you know, a little bit, uh, but at that time, I thought it would be too disconcerting for somebody who wrote a Sefer on Shtoris, right. which is Baruch Hashem, very niskabel, all over the world. And to write the stories, it, it's incongruous. But, uh, so I figured I needed, needed a pen name. So what kind of pen name? I like the name Avner. And I need a last name, Gold. So one of my neighbors, is, uh, her aunt's name was Gold. So Gold. So you know, it, was, it was random. It, it wasn't was with a big cheshben. No cheshben. <laughs> just no cheshben. Just, it's not a bad name, but just, uh, it's just, just a name. And I figured, okay, it's going to mailing, it's finished, be forgotten, and that's it. The problem, not a problem, what happened was that people liked it. <laughs> they liked it. And they wanted a sequel. So... Now I'm going to write a sequel. So I have to figure out when the story took place. So, um, like the climax of The Promised Child is that there is a, a debate with, uh, uh, you know, one of these disputations with the church in, in Krakow. And they asked Rav Mendel, who is the Rav of Pulitzer, to come represent the Jewish community in Krakow. Now, Krakow was a major Jewish center City. and had huge rub on him. So why would they go call Ramendel from Pulitzer to come? So I had to find a gap. And I found there was a gap between the Bach and the Tessis Yantav. The Bach was until 1640, Tessis Yantav in 1643. There was a three-year interregnum. And during that time, they're probably running searches. So running searches, you know, until you go to so you invite a row from there, it takes them a couple of weeks to come, to go. it could take time. So there was a gap there. So that's where my story took place. Now I know. Mm. Okay, so now I have to carry the, carry the story forward from then. So I had to study the centuries, the 1600s. So it turns out that it has the Tachvetat, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the Cossacks, the Khmelnytsky rebellion. Right. Then there was Shabzai Tzvi, then there was the expulsion from Vienna, and then there was like the big eruption of the Inquisition mm -hmm. in the 1680s, and then there was, so it was a very rich century, and that's what I wrote about. Mm -hmm. And I just wrote one after another. I studied all of them, like the Year of the Sword. is about What propelled you to keep writing the books? Was it the popularity? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he kept, he kept mailing them out. Oh, he kept mailing them and out. And people kept waiting, when's the next one coming, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, kept doing them. So, um, like and they, the, these were written mostly in the 80s, right? What would you say? The in first eight books were written in the 80s. In the 80s. The last four were written at the end of the aughts. 
-hmm. like 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. That's when I wrote, decided right. to revive. And these books were all re rewritten, re-released now by Art Scroll. Right. So, so that I, when this, when I decided to go to Art Scroll, write more books, I made changes. Mm -hmm. I gave first of all the family. The family in the first book was called Pulitzer. Right. I didn't even bother giving them a last name. It was based on they, the they town. Came, they came from Pulitzer. I called them Pulitzer. I didn't bother, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying that. And then that's who they were. But now I decided to give them a name, Strasbourg, mm -hmm. and to give them a history, and called the series the Strasbourg Saga. So the last four books were written for the Strasbourg Saga. Now, uh, you know, recently, the last few years, I took the first eight books and I tried to bring them up to par and they should be like the first eight books of the Strasbourg Saga. Mm -hmm. So I, I revised them, I edited them, and I edited a lot. Like the Promised Child, even the earlier, had also gone through several revisions and it was eventually it was like, you know, a decent sized book. Mm -hmm. But for this, I doubled it. I wrote the, the first half of the book is completely new. And for each of the books, I added a lot. I also added a godel at that mm -hmm. time in each of the books. So anybody reading one of these books would also be introduced to a godel who lived during that period. Not always did he play a big role. Mm -hmm. For instance, the, uh, the Tesis Yanta plays a very big role in the dream. You know, mm -hmm. it, and the story of the Tesis Yantav that he wrote in the Megillah Seva, how he was arrested and sentenced to death, and that's that the whole story is in there. Mm -hmm. It's just that people didn't know. Is that, that just to make the story feel real? No, because what do you mean? It's it's that was the story. I mm -hmm. put I made that part of the story. Right. I made that part of the story, and it's all true. The only thing that people didn't know was that Rob Mendel Strasberg was the one who helped get him off. <laughs> but other than that, it's all true, and that they were very close friends. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> it's all true. So, so some books, the, the, the Godel plays a much larger role, and the Murano Prince, the Morgan Avram, is more like a cameo role, but it's still, you meet him, you know about his life, mm -hmm. you know about uh, his yeshiva, what it was like, so, do you, and so you get to know where he places in history and a little bit about him, sometimes more and sometimes less. Now, where, where did you draw your historical knowledge? Because these books are historical fiction. There's a lot of fiction, yeah, but, but the, there's a lot of history and it has to be accurate. History is all very researched. I did a lot uh -huh. of research, even more than Wikipedia. I did, <laughs> I, did, uh -huh. I did a lot of research, like the Murano Prince, for instance, the last one. Now, there, there's a famous... Um, Murano book called Family y Aguilar from Marcus Lehman. The, the, the issue is though that Marcus Lehman wrote the book in the 1850s or something like that. The Inquisition was officially closed in 1837 and all its records have since then, I know it, people didn't know what it was about. Mm -hmm. They thought that maybe the Murano kids what it sits as tucked in instead of out. Mm -hmm. But uh, they didn't know they were Jewish till they were 19. It was too dangerous to tell them. But since then, like I read, I read doctoral dissertations on the Inquisition. I read uh, Henry, Harry Kamen. Henry Kamen, I read uh, Cecil Roth. I read, I read uh, um, Bensia Netanyahu, Bibi Netanyahu, you know, I'm not a big fan of his, but I'm a very big fan of his father. Mm -hmm. Ben Sien Tanyahu's 
brilliant, brilliant historian. And he's the historian of the Muranos. I wrote many books about them. Mm -hmm. And you know, I read, I read them. He has a book called The History of Muranos According to the Hebrew Sources. And everything is taken from Rishina. And on the bottom he has the, the Lushan of the Rishon, mm -hmm. the Hebrew. And so I, you know, I did as much research, a lot of research. That's on the historical side. Now on the writing side, I'm sure there are many viewers wondering how someone like you who went through the yeshiva system, never went to college. No. Where did you get your I writing went B, I went to BMG. You went to BMG. <laughs> so you went to a Talmudical school, yes, so to speak. Yes, yes, But where um, did you get your training, if any, to learn writing technique, to learn vocabulary, to learn just well, what we have here, I, which is a classic set of the high, really a very high level writing. I read a lot. Uh -huh. I read very much, you know, especially in my teenage years. I read like, uh, I read the classics. I read, in school I had to read some books, you mm -hmm. know, like, I can think it was Grapes of Wrath or, you know, I could quote Shakespeare to you if you want, uh -huh. you know. You know, I can quote Macbeth, Soliloquies, uh -huh. but we, we studied those then. So you read, when you say the classics, you mean the classics? Well, I've, I didn't read Shakespeare in my own time, not a lot, but I read, I read, um, I read uh, Guy de Maupassant, uh -huh. I read... Uh, I remember Alexander John Dumas. Steinbeck from school. John you, Steinbeck, yeah, I, read I read everything he wrote, uh -huh. everything. I read Sinclair Lewis, I read everything. Mm -hmm. If I liked an author, I read everything. I read Stendhal, I read Victor Hugo, I read Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, wow. Turgenev, Sholokhov. Someone like Victor Hugo, you read it in the original French no, or did you? No. no. My French is not that good. I learned French in the Hassan Seifer, by oh, the way. Yeah? Ninth grade, I learned French one year, and you know, the, the, uh, my class learned French, and everybody uh -huh. was okay. How are we going to get through this? You know, <laughs> but I said, I want to know this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, to know a language is something. It's like a rechush. It's a, it's something. So I went out and I read. I read Kitu Bapasant. I read some of his books. So you have an appreciation Shots. for language. That, yeah, that's what it sounds yeah, like. You're a linguist. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. I learned a little Russian, I can speak, I can manage in a few languages, mm -hmm. even in Yiddish. <laughs> Yiddish is actually my first language. Because actually your Rebbe Rav Hutner, I think, is quoted as saying that the average yeshiva boy is illiterate in three languages. Right. But apparently you've mastered well, several. Uh, well, you know, English is not bad, and Yiddish is also, you know, that's uh, Hebrew. So in Hebrew, I can write Sforim, I, can, I know safer language, but to write literary Hebrew, I'm not capable. Mm -hmm. I could get through a Hebrew newspaper, mm -hmm. but I couldn't write that type of Hebrew. Right. But other languages like uh, Spanish, I can do like, I'm fairly fluent, mm -hmm. but um, you know, to get by. I was in Spain, I lived as Spanish, and in France, I worked mm -hmm. in French, we're Russian. Everyone says Russian, you speak Russian? Actually, my parents spoke Russian. That means when they wanted to speak, I should understand. Uh, they spoke Russian. They spoke Russian. Right? Okay. But, but um, you know, they say, oh, you can read Russian? Reading Russian, I knew I was 12. Because uh -huh. it's, just, it's just an alphabet of 30, 30 letters. And half of them are the same as English. Mm -hmm. And it's the easiest thing. It's phonetic. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest thing to read Russian. You can read Russian. Chinese would be something maybe, but Russian is very easy. And uh, yeah, listen, I have, uh, but... Now I should mention of the books that we have here, I, I have a lot of... About half of them 
are not of the Strasbourg series. They're books that you've written over they the years. They are Strasbourg now. No, but I'm talking oh, about oh, these, with these. Hearts Full of Love, oh, Hearts oh, Full oh, of Faith, yes, yes, other oh, books that you were commissioned books. to write. Yes. Talk about those where you've, you've uh, had the opportunity to write up. You wrote up well, Rib, Shl Rib uh, Schlemmer Freifeld's. I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote for Matzio. Right. I wrote for Matzio. Matzio actually is uh, a very good friend of mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of his only friends. He has either um, Talmidim, followers, or adversaries. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of his friends. And you became and friends with Ramatio when he became a shkiach in not Lakewood right away, or before it? Not right away. Uh -huh. When he came, really, not right away. But then I started learning Chumash. I started learning Chumash, which I didn't... You know, my background, those days, they didn't learn Chumash in Yeshiva, and I felt... So I started learning Chumash with a Chabrusa, and actually wrote a Sefer on Chumash right here. And, and um, I heard that it gives a vad on Chumash, Moetzah Shabbos. So I went there to hear what he had to say. And I liked him. I like what he said, and I like him. So, uh, you know, he talked to him a little bit. I, I don't think he knew who I was. And uh, so I said to him once, uh, I said, I'd like to make a seder with you. So he said, uh, what? I said, maybe once a week for like 15, 20 minutes, I'll tell you my verita on Chumash. So he said, okay. So we started like that. And then in 1999, we went to Russia together for the Vadlat Solzhenitsyn Israel. So I told that the um, Jewish Observer wanted me to go along and write an article. So I said I would do it. So I told Ramatio that I would do it if we would learn together on the, on the trip. Mm -hmm. So we learn Chumash together. So we did. We used to sit on the plane and learn Chumash. And he said, maybe we should learn Every, uh, learn other things, and then he suggested we should learn every day. So we did learn every day. Mm -hmm. We learned Erchen, we learned different things. We and how did that lead to you writing up two volumes of oh, so the Mashiach Shmuzah? So, the, so they, it was, so, I don't remember who asked me, I think it was maybe Art Scroll or somebody, maybe Art Scroll asked me, I should write it, and I got paid for it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and to write a Shmuzah, I had to, you know, he told me he didn't think that uh, that I saw a different um, shmuzen that he gave that were printed. Mm -hmm. He said, I didn't think anybody could capture it and make mm -hmm. it good. But, you know, I have an ear, you know, for, for, for dialogue, for, and I knew him well. Mm -hmm. and, and what I did was, when I write books, dialogue, so what I do is I create the characters in my mind, and I allow them to speak to each other. I just step back and I allow them to speak. It's a little schizophrenic, no? <laughs> but I allow them to speak to each other. And they talk, and I'm writing, catching up with what they're saying. It's and almost like you're eavesdropping on their conversation? Yeah, and sometimes they surprise me, <laughs> like what they say. What, what, what do you mean like, by that, that your own like, character surprises they'll you? They'll say something, I mean, it's coming from, from that schizophrenic place in my brain. Uh -huh. But, you know, like there's an envoy from Vienna, the, the queen says to Alicia Ringel, they're talking about expelling the Jews from, from Vienna. So she turns to Alicia Ringel, you're from Poland, is there room in Poland? So he says, oh, we just had a massacre. Half the people were killed. There's plenty of room in Poland. I didn't, you know, he just said that. <laughs> and then she says, why do all the little guys have such sharp tongues? You know, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell her to say that either. She uh -huh. just said it, uh -huh. you know. So, you know, I, I create the, and I let them speak. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I it guess. Does? I okay, guess. Okay. <laughs> Right. I mean, the final product proved that it's a good technique. Okay. So. so usually, you know, 
You know, I don't put words in the mouths of my characters. I don't do that. I let them talk. So really what I did was I created a non-fictional, fictional character in my mind. Mm -hmm. His name was Romatisio, and I let him speak. Mm -hmm. and, and I just wrote. And the same with Rip Shlomo Freifeld, same, same, same thing. I had Shlomo Freifeld I met only once, but I listened to his uh, CDs, to his schmoozen, uh -huh. and same with Rabbi Friend. You know, I listened to them, and... Uh, and, and right, you wrote so, uh, two so swarm from... Three, Or three swarm from Rabbi Friend. So, so uh, one of the Freifelds told me and said that I must be a Talmud of his, because it sounds exactly like him, you uh -huh. know? But it's, it's like, I could hear it. I hear what he's saying. And I hear, I hear, I hear the language. I hear the sound of his voice. When I when I speak um, Spanish, right? So the people tell me. First of all, they tell me I sound like a professor because mm -hmm. I speak grammatically. I learned the grammar. I speak <laughs> grammatical Spanish. Right. Not that I'm, I'm missing words. Me faltan palabras siempre, but I'm, I'm missing words a lot. But when I speak Spanish. I don't speak like a, like a gringo, like a North American. Si quieres, yo puedo hablar como gringo también, but I don't speak like that. So they tell me, I sound like I come from Argentina, uh -huh. someplace else, when I was in Russia. They think you're, you're a native speaker. They think I speak Spanish, but I'm from somewhere else. Uh -huh. But I was in Russia, so in the hotel, I was speaking Russian, so she says, you know, that I speak like, like, like I'm from Russia but not from here, from someplace else. And I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it has, I guess it's a little bit like music or that I, I can hear it. Uh -huh. You I have an ear the sound. for it. The reason why Americans speak Spanish like that because they don't hear the difference between what they're saying and what they're hearing. The, nu the nuances. They, yeah. they don't hear the sound, mm -hmm. the sound of the language. They don't hear it. So now, before, before we conclude, uh, Tell us a little about what you've heard from readers, because I know you've gotten a lot of reaction over the years, letters, hundreds, people, hundreds of emails, literally hundreds letter. of letters, emails yeah, that people yeah. tell you. What is the common denominator of the feedback? Well, Specifically, uh, we know to your svarim, but okay, yeah. you know, I don't about, get hundreds of letters of svarim. <laughs> I get some, but not so, hundreds. But to uh, the Avner Gold audience series. audience is much smaller, uh -huh. but that's my audience. But you know, you say these books were written, Ben Gavra Gavra, your main right. writing are your svarim. My main thing is writing svarim. When I write a book, I'll take off a few weeks or a couple of months and I'll write the book, mm -hmm. but that's not but what But what is I the do. common denominator as far as the feedback? They, they all love the stories, the excitement, the adventure, but they also love the values that are given mm -hmm. to them. They love, like people say, that they've used my books as guiding them through life, really? their relationship to Torah, the relationship to mitzvahs. Mm -hmm. I don't lecture about that, but, but it's there. Mm -hmm. In all my books, there is a lot, a lot of... In my later books, I started putting in a Dvar Torah from my Chumash mm -hmm. Sefer, a small one. But, okay, I figured, you know, you could tolerate that. <laughs> exactly. but, uh, but there's a lot of values that come, come from the Bismedrish. Mm -hmm. They come from the Bismedrish. And I don't know how many books that are in our literature come from the Bismedrish. I'm not, simply not familiar. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm the only one, there may be others. But it's certainly not as common mm -hmm. as books that don't come from Bismedrish, right. especially the books that are written by the Noshim uh, Sitkaniyais, who, mm -hmm. are, who are wonderful. The, 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 our women are fabulous, but they don't come from Bismedrish. They don't have that type of uh, background, that type of right. So 
I feel that it's also important to have that, that perspective mm -hmm. added to the mix of what people read. And it really has a very profound effect on them. People are like, you know, very excited. I also always respond to readers, mm -hmm. always. First of all, I love getting letters from the readers. I love okay, it. Okay, that's good for and, people to know. Uh, yes, absolutely. My email is in the forward. But, but it's just simply a matter of respect that if somebody writes to me, I will respond. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it could take me a month or two until I get to it. Mm -hmm. But I always respond. And with some of my readers, you know, it ends up being a correspondence. Sometimes it's just thank you very much. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. It means a lot to me. And sometimes it's about... Uh, about substance and mm -hmm. you know we have discussions and it's it's a uh, it's very important to me it means a lot well you, your story lot. is an amazing one and we want okay. to wish you continued atzlacha on the svarim and thank you. we hope that you'll write some more books also thank <laughs> to the benefit of Klal Yisrael thank you and we thank, thank you. you for all these gifts that you've given us thank you I appreciate it we appreciate and, you and, coming and in and I want to tell you something yeah. I came here today and there was a yard site suda Right, we could mention that today's, yeah, today's this conversation is taking place on the yard side of Rameir's Lottery. Right. And I told before, I met with Rabbi Sherman, and I told him, and I really mean it, that what they have done, Rameir and Nassen and Rashia, what they have done is historic. It belongs in the history books that will be written 300 years from now. It's amazing what they've done. And I'm happy to be part of it. Well, I thank really you am. for being part of the Otsko family. And again, thank you for making the effort to come down here my, my and have pleasure. this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you very Atzlacha. much. Thank you.